1: Welcome to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited to interview Dr. Ruth McPete, also known as Dr. Ruth, the pet vet. And today we're going to be talking about allergies, wanting to be a veterinarian, children's books, and so much more. We'll be right back after these messages. front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com
1: To ER vet on Pet Life Radio, Dr. Ruth McPete. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. Can you tell us if you always knew you wanted to be a vet since you were a kid, and a little bit about your training, your background, and what you do for fun?
2: well i am a veterinarian and i have always wanted to be a veterinarian since i was a little kid i always dreamed of being a vet Um, i always loved animals i was fortunate enough to grow up in a household uh, full of cats dogs guinea pigs hamsters gerbils i even had chinchillas and a duck my mom actually volunteered at an animal shelter when I was a little kid. So I was fortunate enough to be able to come with her. And I used to bathe dogs and walk dogs. And uh, just, you know, it just really solidified my love for animals and my desire to become a veterinarian and want to do something to help animals. In addition to being a small animal veterinarian, I've worked for over 15 years in shelter. And with rescue groups. So that's something near and dear to my heart is helping animals and shelters get homes and also helping keep animals out of shelters and in their forever homes. I know shelter
1: medicine can be really hard. It can definitely take an emotional toll. I know that as vets, we volunteer, we work with shelters to help minimize and reduce any kind of pet overpopulation. Um, do you mind telling us how you got into TV? And maybe you can give a little bit of background about how we met and what shows you've been on
2: and tell us a little bit about your book. Sure, sure. So in addition to being a veterinarian, probably about 15 years ago now, while I was working at a local animal shelter, I went on TV and did a segment, an adoption segment. And when I did that, I ended up talking to the producer about some of the different issues that we see in shelter medicine, specifically pet overpopulation and lost pets. And I talked to him about the fact that I would love to get more of those messages out because I had been writing for Cat Fancy magazine at the time and um, kind of talking about important messages that are important for animals and shelter medicine. And so I talked to the producer about some of the ideas I had and basically ended up doing a pet segment for um, every other weekend for two years for NBC in San Diego. And I did a segment that was about three to five minutes in length where I talked about important pet health issues. So I talked about the importance of microchips, the importance of spaying and neutering your pet. I talked about cancer. I talked about uh, numerous pet topics that I thought were important because one of the things that I found in my career in veterinary medicine very early on, and especially working in shelter medicine, was I found that people want to do the best they can for their pets. They love their pets, they want to care for them properly. They want to do everything they can. But sometimes when people sometimes people don't know what the right thing is. And so what I found a lot of times is animals that end up in shelter, a lot of times it was a matter of a misunderstanding or a lack of knowledge that people adopted a dog that wasn't the right fit for their family. And had they had a little bit more information about some of the breeds or the activity levels of some of the certain types of pets or breeds, they would have made a different decision. I also found that same thing with microchips that when people were informed and knew about the importance of microchips and how life saving they can be for pets, that people immediately went out and got microchips. And so that really motivated me in my career to start using my veterinary background, not just as a veterinarian in practice and in shelter medicine, but in writing and also in media and TV is that I really wanted to reach more people, use the knowledge and that I had to teach people some of the things that I thought, you know, people wanted to know and that if they knew they would be able to better care for their pets. You've gotten
1: me onto a great tangent. So let's talk first about shelter medicine. If you could reach people through ER vet and say what the top five mistakes are when you see people making a decision about either surrendering a pet to a shelter or adopting a pet from a shelter, what would they be?
2: Well, I think one of the, the biggest things that I see is that people pick a pet and they need to think about for their family, they need to think about first the activity level. So if you're talking about a dog, if someone decides that they want to get a dog, they need to think about the activity level of their particular family. If you are a runner and your family likes to run and you are going to run with the dog all the time, then there are certain breeds that are going to be perfect for that. So Vizslas and weimriners as you know, Justine, are super active dogs. They love to run. And they obviously would be a great fit for a family like that. If you are a family that is not active and you want a dog that's going to sit on the couch and cuddle with you and, you know, isn't going to have to go for long walks or log runs and it's really going to be kind of a lazy couch potato dog, then there are breeds for that too. So bulldogs are a great dog. English bulldogs cannot be walked very long. They are not super active dogs. They are perfectly happy to just sit around with their owners on the couch and hang out. King Charles Cavaliers are also another breed that are perfectly mellow dogs that like to sit in the house. So these are things that I ask people to always think about before you rush to a shelter. Think about kind of the activity level that you want in the house, The second thing that I think is a really big, important one is also grooming and care and maintenance for that pet. So if you're looking for a pet that's going to be very low maintenance and you are not willing to groom a dog or have a dog professionally groomed monthly, then you shouldn't pick a dog that has a long coat and is going to need to be maintained. So one of the things that I see a lot, sadly, in shelter medicine is we see little tiny white fluffy dogs like Maltese or Shih Tzus that we see that somebody gets and they take that dog and they put it in a yard and they expect it to be a dog that lives outside and not gets groomed. And unfortunately, as you know, these dogs their hair will grow, they will get very matted if someone is grooming or grooming them and maintaining their coat. And they're really not meant to be an outdoor dog. So again, it's really important that people think about what you're looking for. If you want a dog that's low maintenance, then pick a dog with a short coat that isn't going to have to be groomed regularly. That said, I also recommend that people think about medical conditions and different needs that that pet may have. So we were talking about bulldogs, but bulldogs require a lot of maintenance. These guys, a lot of times have facial fold dermatitis or skin infections in the fold. They need to be groomed regularly, even though they have short hair, because a lot of times they will get, like I said, skin infections. So these are dogs that usually people that have them have to be willing to wipe their face, clean their face, use different products to help keep their skin in good shape. And a lot of times they're also prone to ear infections. So they, you need to be aware of that. Cocker Spaniels are another breed that are very prone to ear infections. So again, it's something that I recommend people look at the breed or if you're getting a mixed breed, you know, you look at what are the main breeds in that mix And kind of know what you're getting so that you don't set yourself up for something that you're gonna be disappointed in or not able to maintain, which is one of the reasons that people return them to the shelter. And they're shocked
1: to find out that it's sixty-five to eighty dollars each time to groom. And you have to do that once every six to eight weeks. So they don't think about the long term costs. What are some of your other hints or mistakes to avoid when adopting a cat or dog from the shelter?
2: Well, again, I think, you know, so it's, I think it's definitely figuring out kind of what you're looking for in your home and it may not be a dog. So, you know, I always recommend people think about cats. Cats make wonderful pets. Uh, I currently have seven in my house, three that are mine and four that are fosters from the shelter right now, but cats are obviously easy. They're easier for people to maintain. So if you have a busy life and, You know, pre-COVID, if you're outside of the house all the time and you don't have time to walk a pet or you live in a small apartment, definitely think about getting a cat because they are wonderful companions and they're a little bit easier to care for than a dog and that you don't have to walk them. And I know, you know, because you have cats too, Justine, but they're, you know, they're great pets. And so I always recommend people think about a cat and, you know, if a dog may be too much for them right now. Dr. McPete, you bring up a great point. A lot of people will adopt
1: cats, and I think the important thing to recognize is when we adopt a rescue, it's for a lifetime. And so most people don't think I may have this cat for the next two decades. So really important to consider if you are thinking of adopting an animal and you're not sure if you're allergic, please take the time to spend a lot of time with a pet, whether or not it's at your friend's house, whether or not it's pet sitting them for a little bit. It just to make sure you and no one else in your household is allergic now i will say i wrote a recent blog about this new diet that is out there and i'm really excited to hear about this one but this is a diet that purina released and it's called live clear and it's basically a diet that when you feed it to your cat and you get them used to it This is a diet that once you feed it consistently, it is shown to reduce allergies or the Fel D1 allergen that cats shed in their saliva and in their fur By 47%. So this may be an option to think about when in doubt, you can buy this over the counter, but talk to your veterinarian about it. I also agree. I'm a huge advocate of cat and dog ownership, but remember it is for a lifetime. Please make sure it's a breed that fits your lifestyle. Please make sure you're not allergic because this breaks our heart whenever we see pets being returned to the shelter. Dr. McPete, anything else when it comes to shelter medicine that you want to
2: let us know about? No, I think you really, I mean, I love what you said, Justine. I think the big thing is that people really just need to Think before you pick an animal, make sure you think about size, you know, is it the right size dog? Is it the right breed or type of dog for your family based on activity, based on grooming? Size matters too, in terms of, you know, fitting in your house and make sure you have the budget, you know, that includes their supplies as well as their veterinary care. You know, these are just things to think about and allergies, like you mentioned, because We do see, unfortunately, that people make impulsive decisions and they get an animal and it is heartbreaking to see it returned. And it's so sad for the animal as well. And so I really recommend that people, you know, think and really, you know, I have a blog too about choosing the right pet on my website, that people really think about that and do their research and kind of figure out what's going to be the right pet for you and take the time to meet that pet and make sure it's the right decision for you and your family. Thank you so much. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors.
0: So now I've got this pack of four Sharpay rescue dogs. Jimmy, Coco, another Sharpay, one pug who is Joe. I have stuck with the Dynovite for, oh my goodness, probably five, six years. People remark on really how well my dogs look, what beautiful coats they've got. I tell them, yep, they get a regular diet of DynaVite with every meal. DynaVite is nutrition. All I have to do is say dog food, it's a pandemonium. They can be half asleep and they're up and thrilled.
1: She just looks that whole squeaky clean.
0: You don't need to wait until a problem presents itself. It's far better to keep the dog happy and healthy at all times. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. People do ask how they get Dynavite. I tell them I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
1: Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Lake Radio. Really excited to be interviewing Dr. Ruth McPete, also known as Dr. Ruth, the pet vet. What we've been talking about is rescuing or adopting animals from shelters or how to pick the right dog or cat. And so Dr. Ruth's been leaving us with some tips. This is especially important because I've been really excited, and I'm sure Dr. Ruth has been too, that because of COVID-19 pandemic, what we're actually seeing is people are working from home, and as a result, a lot of animal rescues have run out of pets which is amazing they've been fostered they've been adopted so this is fantastic news i will say just from seeing my neighborhood i'm seeing dogs being walked so much more because people want to get out of the house now we're going to talk about allergies with dr mcpete but before we begin i wanted to ask you a few questions A lot of people are worried about separation anxiety once people start going back to work. Do you have just two or three tips that you could leave us with when it comes to helping minimize separation anxiety as we prepare to resume normal
2: life and no longer social distance? Yes, I do think, um, like you said, it's it's going to be hard for pets when we all go back to work. And so it is going to be really important that people kind of do that slowly with their pets and um, get their pets used to it. This is where, you know, it's going to be really important if your pet is going you know, five walks a day that before you go back to work, you kind of get them used to shorter walks and less frequent walks. You also want to make sure that your pet has plenty of toys and start getting them. The, the best advice is really to kind of go slowly and, and realize that your pet may be sad, they may be destructive. If you have a pet that starts being destructive, that's where having a crate may be helpful as well. Doggy daycares are going to be very helpful for people too, because so many pets are going to be so used to having us around to play with that they may not be happy when we go back to work.
1: Great points. Thank you so much. All right. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about allergies now that spring is here. What do we need to know when it comes to dogs and rarely cats showing allergies? Do they sneeze the way we
2: do or what sign should I be looking for? Great question, Justine. You know, a lot of people think that pets have allergies like we do. And obviously, for most people, when we have allergies, people usually will develop a runny nose, watery, itchy eyes. But pets actually show signs differently. When dogs are allergic, they typically don't demonstrate those signs. What we usually see is that pets become itchy and that they present with allergies as having severe skin itching that you may observe your pet biting, chewing, or rubbing at their feet, their face, their muzzle, anywhere on their body. Um, And you may see that they're chewing and licking so much that they actually develop hair loss or pull out some of their hair or develop skin irritations or infections from how much they're bothered by the the skin itchiness.
1: So... Most important takeaway, they don't typically sneeze. They don't typically, you know, get congested. It's itching. It's licking excessively. It's licking the toes. It's losing hair. Now, what can be done? Does it automatically mean that my dog has to get allergy shots or go on a different type of food or go on antibiotics?
2: Are there things we can do at home? And what should we talk to our veterinarian about? Well, I think the first thing that people need to know is that there's really four main types of allergies that we see in pets just like in people so one of the most common ones that we see that we don't see obviously in people is flea allergic dermatitis and that's obviously when pets become allergic to flea bites that's one of a very common thing that we see and fortunately this is the most true. so that's one thing the other type of allergy that we see commonly in pets is that we see a type of allergy really the most most common, which is called inhalant allergies, also known as atopy. And this is where a pet is allergic to different things in the environment that they're breathing in. So this can be plants, so pollens, grasses, weeds, they can also be allergic to mold and mildew. There are different house dusts and mites that can be house mites that can be or even human dander that they can be allergic to. And that again, presents not as sneezing and sniffling but presents typically as itchy skin and where the pet is biting and licking at their skin the other type of allergy that we see less commonly are food allergies or hypersensitivity to food and then the last is contact allergens where a pet is allergic to something that comes in contact with their skin by far the most common that we see and that I see in my, in practice is really Inhalant allergies or atopy where pets are allergic to something in the air and these actually cause the animal to have a lot of different skin problems, which is ultimately why people bring them in and they notice that the pet is suffering and scratching and itching. Right. So
1: what typical medications is a veterinarian going to use and do they always have to be oral medications or can they be topical medications and does this involve bathing at home too?
2: Yeah, well, the treatment obviously varies depending on the severity and the type of allergy. So typically... If the animal has a mild allergy, obviously, if it's flea allergic dermatitis, again, you want to immediately speak with your veterinarian about getting them on a safe, effective flea product, which thankfully there are tons of. But if it's not, if it's atopy, then you want to speak with your veterinarian about what can be done. And again, if it's an animal that has mild allergies, there are things a lot of times that we can do at home. So that can help, you know, bathing can help them, frequent bathing something that can actually help because of the fact that it removes the bathing, rinses out the allergens that are on the coat that then get absorbed into the coat. So certainly picking a great moisturizing shampoo to bathe them is one way that can help. If your pet has already a lot of irritation or an infection, then your veterinarian is going to require things or recommend that you put your animal on medication. And this may be antibiotics, oral antibiotics, if they have an infection already. It may be a topical antibiotic and anti-inflammatory spray. It may also be antihistamines or it may be an immune modulating medication. So there are a number of different medications that we have available to us in veterinary medicine that are anywhere from tablets to injectables that will actually help with a pet that is itching and suffering from itching or developing frequent skin irritations due to allergies. So again, it just kind of depends on the level of their allergies. If an animal has year-round severe allergies. The other thing that we recommend a lot is that people actually look into doing allergy testing with their pet. So what this involves is either doing blood tests or intradermal skin testing to actually identify the offending allergens. Once those are identified, then the animal is usually put on desensitization therapy, which is injections that they get to actually help them desensitize their immune system to whatever they're allergic to. But a lot of times people think that they're gonna do allergy testing and find that their pet is allergic to one thing and they can therefore rip out the wool carpeting in their house and get rid of the allergies unfortunately with pets just like humans usually animals with allergies are not just allergic to one thing what we find when we do these allergy tests either through blood or intradermal skin testing what we find is that they're usually allergic to a number of different things so they're usually allergic to several different types of grass bermuda rye grass they're allergic to some of the tree pollen eucalyptus aspen they may also be allergic to house dust. They actually have human dander on the allergy profile. Sometimes they're allergic to us, believe it or not. So they end up being allergic to a lot of different things. And so that's where the only way to rectify that is going to be to do desensitization therapy or the shots basically to help the pets with hyposensitization or also called desensitization therapy. So that's again for animals that have chronic problems. Those same animals not everybody does allergy testing. Sometimes people will just empirically treat the animal with, again, antihistamines or medications, again, oral or injections that, again, help modulate the animal's immune system so that they're not so itchy. I think the key thing to keep in mind
1: is most of the time, if it's severe enough, your dog can potentially get Really severe infections really quickly. And people with long haired dogs who've ever had to deal with a hot spot before know that within just a few hours, there can be a really severe moist dermatitis and infection. So I end up seeing this a lot in the ER. And I always say, when in doubt, always have one of those funnel hats at home. Make sure your dog is bathed and groomed. During the summer or in really hot locations, if your dog is predisposed to these moist dermatitis hot spots, I don't actually recommend that your dog spend a lot of time outside. And not to be gross, but I do occasionally see maggot infestations from that. There are definitely a lot, lot of things you can do. Some dogs will have underlying yeast infections or bacterial infections, and they'll need treatment for that. But with antimicrobial resistance, we're really trying as veterinarians to try to use topical medications when indicated. Now, Dr. Ruth, I know that you came out with a shampoo line. I just got it and I haven't tried it on my dog yet, but it smells so good. I actually want to try it on myself. So tell me a little bit about Vet Derm Solutions.
2: Yes. Well, actually, you know, I came out with a shampoo because as a veterinarian, I see so many dogs with dry, itchy skin. It's just, you know, derm problems and skin problems because of allergies are one of the things that we see so commonly. And I see so many dogs that are miserable and have really dry, itchy skin. And one of the things that I found is that I see that people are using over-the-counter shampoos, they use a lot of, sometimes people use human shampoo, which you want to stay away from because the pH is not correct for animal skin and coat and can really dry their coat out. The other thing that I found is that while there's a lot of different pet shampoos on the market, most of them are heavily perfumed and a lot of times they have things in them that really strip the dog's coat of moisture. And so I find that, Clients would tell me they're bathing the pet two or three times a week, and the pet would have really dry, flaky, itchy skin. And just like with us, if your skin is dry, it to be in flaky, it tends to be more itchy. So it's really important that we are not stripping away the moisture in a dog's coat, especially animals with allergies or sensitive skin. So I wanted to come out with a shampoo that was super hydrating, that was full of a bunch of different ingredients, human grade ingredients that actually help moisturize a dog's coat. So my shampoo has shea butter, it has aloe vera, oatmeal, green tea, number of different antioxidants and moisturizers to really help their coat moisturize their coat and really hydrate and restore hydration to a dog's skin and coat. The other thing is that it's fragrance free and I mentioned the fact that so many pet shampoos are heavily perfumed and they're perfumed for us not for our pet. So Perfumes usually, you know, dog shampoos usually smell like citrus, grapefruit, lavender, flowers. There's a number of different things. And the reality is that, as you know, pets have a really incredible sense of smell. They have 10,000 times more sensitivity in their nose than we do. They have about 30 million olfactory receptors versus 6 million that we have. And so their sense of smell is incredible. When you're bathing a pet, most pets immediately, they get a bath one of the reasons maybe that they're trying to get that stuff because as i said they have this incredible sense of smell and so while we may think they smell great smelling like a rose or lavender this may be very overwhelming to a dog's sense of smell that they have this smell on their coat and it's just overpowering so i really wanted to come out with a shampoo that had the pet in mind not just for moisturizing and hydrating their coat But it really took into consideration the fact that, you know, dogs are incredible and they have this amazing sense of smell and that the shampoo should be about them, not what we think they should smell like. And so um, the shampoo is fragrance free and um, tear free, of course. Reef safe and, you know, just a product that doesn't contain any sulfates, parabens, anything like that to really be a clean shampoo that's good for moisturizing your dog's coat. I understand you teamed up with a human MD dermatologist
1: to create this.
2: I did. So I teamed up with Dr. Paul Dean, who is a dermatologist and also has a human skincare line. And I did that also to just really kind of tap into what are the different ingredients that help people? What are the things that we're using on our skin that help moisturize skin? And one of those could be used in pests to the pet's benefit and so um, that was kind of why we decided to work together is that i wanted to really tap into his knowledge and his expertise and make something that, you know, was a superior product for pets. It's really the first pet shampoo that's ever been created with a dermatologist and a veterinarian. So um, I'm really excited about that. And um, we've had a lot of success with it and a lot of pets that are really enjoying it and people that think it works really great. So um, I can't wait to hear what you think.
1: Thank you so much. And last thing I need to ask you about, of course, as one of my favorite go-to veterinarians, especially when it comes to doing media, I absolutely loved the autographed copy of your children's book, uh, which you actually autographed for my son. So wanted to ask you some more about your book, Lizette the Vet. Can you tell us what it's about, who it's for? If you're listening to the show and you have children who are interested in becoming a vet, I'm also going to encourage. That you order this directly from your website, but tell us a little bit about this book.
2: I started to write a book about seven years ago, and basically, what I found when my daughter was six years old is that I read to her every night, and I found that there were so many different books about fairies, about firemen, princesses, pirates. There were books about construction workers, but there really weren't any books for young children, any picture books geared for kids about what I consider, and I know you too, the best profession in the world, veterinary medicine. And so I started looking, trying to find a book for my daughter. And basically at the time, the only thing I really found was Barbie wants to be a vet. And so I was really motivated to tell a story that kids could relate to about a little girl that loves animals, animals of all kinds, and wants to be a vet. Because one of the things that I found as a veterinarian is that anywhere I go and I do a lot of assemblies and I do a lot of things at schools where I talk to kids and I've done this for about 20 years where I go in and talk to kids about veterinary medicine. And what I have always found is that when you ask kids what they want to be, especially young kids, at least half of the kids say they want to be a veterinarian. Haven't you found that to be the case, Justine? Yeah, so so I found that kids love veterinary medicine, they love animals, and they're interested in careers in veterinary medicine, but that there just wasn't much out there that they could relate to in, the, in terms of a picture book. So I decided to write a picture book, and it's really geared towards you know kids that are four to eight years of age. And again, it's about a little girl that loves animals and wants to be a veterinarian when she grows up. And one of the things that has been absolutely wonderful is that, you know, again, with my book, I've gone into more schools and talked to more kids. And I just love encouraging kids to learn veterinary medicine. I love talking to them about what it's to be a veterinarian, because a lot of people think that to be a veterinarian, you just work with dogs and cats. And I love talking to them. And I have a slide presentation that I give that talks all about the different things that veterinarians do, you know, whether it's Like you and you have a radio show and, you know, you've written a book as well. So I talked to them about the fact that being a veterinarian, you can be an author, you can do media, you can be a veterinarian that works in government. You can work for companies to help develop drugs that or medications that help animals live longer. You can be a veterinarian that works in the zoo or works with wildlife. You can be a marine mammal veterinarian, or you can be an emergency veterinarian like you, Justine. So there's so many things that you can do as a veterinarian. It's such a wonderful career. And I love talking to kids about all the different facets of veterinary medicine and things you can do. And that was really, you know, again, when I wrote the book, I just wanted to encourage kids and, that love animals and that maybe are dreaming of being a vet to pursue this. I wanted them to have some literature that books that they could relate to and say, hey, that's me. I'm like Lisette. I have tons of animals and I want to be a vet.
1: I love it. I still work at a specialty clinic one to two days a week, and it's really cute. My three-year-old always says to me, did you work on rattlesnakes today? I'm like, no, no rattlesnakes. (laughs) But uh, I can also attest, I've always known I wanted to be a vet since I was seven. So can you tell us what website we should go to in order to order the book, Lisette the Vet?
2: dr ruthpetvet.com. So dot com has my book and that has the hard copy and you can get a signed copy. It's also available at Amazon and barnesandnoble.com as well.
1: Wonderful. Dr. McPeat, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you being on. Thank you for having me. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. You can find Dr. Ruth McPete at drruthpetvet.com. And if you're interested in finding our book, just go to drruthpetvet.com backslash book. You can always find me at drjustinelee.com, on Facebook at Dr. Justine Lee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank our guests, Dr. Ruth McPeat and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on petliferadio.com.